Happy Sunday and welcome to Brunch with Des B. I'm your host, Des, also known as Des B, here to provide you with your favorite way to start the week. Every Sunday, we explore new topics and dive into conversations that matter and some that truly do not. Tune in each week to smile, learn something new, and join your favorite brunch gang. Let's get into it. Hello and happy Sunday, guys. Welcome back to Brunch with Des B. Today, we are having a little bit of a switch in our schedule, all right? I'm super excited. I know typically we're talking pop culture, we're talking news, we're talking motherhood, we're talking parents, we're talking adult life, whatever it may be. And today, we're going to get into a little bit of sex, shall we say. I'm really excited for today because this is an episode I've been waiting to do. And when the guests told me that they would come on, I was extremely honored. I've been a fan for years and I think you guys are going to turn into fans as well. So today you're going to go ahead and meet New York Times bestselling authors, Vanessa and Xander Marin. She is a sex therapist with 20 years of experience and he is just a regular dude. Together they wrote Sex Talks, which is the five conversations that will transform your love life. They are very open. They're a little bit nerdy, but they are very funny and you will be calling them your new best friends in absolutely no time. They've been very open with sharing the ups and downs in their own relationship while giving you step-by-step techniques to improve yours. You can find them on Instagram at Vanessa and Xander and tune into their own podcast, Pillow Talks, for doable sex tips, practical relationship advice, hilarious and honest stories of what really goes on in the bedroom behind closed doors, and so much more. This is truly the sex education talk you wish you had and you might have not gotten with your own parents. So I'm super excited. This is a very, very special podcast for me to share. We're diving into all things long-term relationships, initiating sex, and also sex postpartum, being parents. How do we navigate that with our partner. So I'm very excited. Let's hop right into it. Make sure you give this podcast five stars, write a little review if you like this, and as always, go support Vanessa and Xander. Have fun. I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll be back on track next Sunday. Hello. Hi, how are you? Oh my gosh, I'm so I'm so much better now. How are you guys? <laughs> Good. Great, great. Amazing. I well look yeah, at us. We came Oh, I know. We I just we're ready. coordinated perfectly. I love that for us. How are you guys today? Good. Um, I want to apologize in advance for any distractions. We are fostering a new dog. And Yay. so this is, it's his first time being in the background during oh, the interview. So I love that. He needs to be settled in right now, but How- uh, you actually, you might be able to- Oh yeah. There he is. Oh my God. Stop. Is it a pug? Yeah. 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 yeah we <laughs> have a white pug. <laughs> yes. I know you guys went through a really difficult loss just recently. So I'm glad to see that you guys are opening up your home again. That's so special. Thank you. Well, I'm so honored you're here. I have been a sex addict. Let's just call it that for like ever since probably COVID I started, I found you guys, I started following you and I was in a postpartum phase and I've mentioned you on the podcast even before, because a lot of things just really helped me postpartum and like kind of coming back into myself Mm -hmm. and just also just struggling with what I think a lot of people do and just don't like to talk about. So I'm so like, literally, I'm so excited to have you guys on my whole audiences. They're like, I can't believe you get to podcast with them. Like you, you can't believe it. I can't believe it. So (laughs) I want to, I want to give you guys the floor first. And I guess like how I always kind of start with some guests is just like an elevator pitch. So if I was someone you met in an elevator or you Mm -hmm. have like 30 seconds with, like, how would you guys both describe your dynamic, what you do and now what you do together? So we are Vanessa and Xander Marin. We're a married couple. I'm a licensed sex therapist. I'm a regular dude. I get to talk about sex with my wife every day, which is pretty cool. (laughs) And together we have a business where our focus is helping couples in long-term relationships keep the spark alive. I absolutely love that. Was that 30 seconds? I didn't It was even shorter, but like (laughs) we get it. No, it's perfect. (laughs) 
I think that's what attracted me and probably most of your audience to you guys so much is just the openness. I mean, I think my favorite posts, and if you guys are listening and do not follow you guys for some reason, my favorite posts are when you guys do like the try the sex position. And I just laugh at how <laughs> much fun you guys have in these, what some of us might feel uncomfortable trying, even pretending, you know? And so I think that's what inspired me to be a part of like what you guys have. I, I actually have the 30 day sex challenge in the art of initiation, um, oh, as well as the, yes, as well as sex talks, the book. So I haven't read it all. However, I will say like these few things have just made such a difference in my life. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for like what the rest of our audience has today. So Vanessa, I want to just kind of point this at you first. How did you get into sex therapy? Because to me, it's kind of like someone being like, I'm a gynecologist. Like, it's like, what drew you to <laughs> vaginas? You know, so what drew you into sex therapy and where did that start for you? It was my version of receiving the talk from my parents. So like most people, it was a very awkward and strange experience. My version of it was my parents, we were trapped in our minivan driving home from grandma's, like dinner at grandma's. And my mom said to me, if you have any questions about, you know, you can ask us. And it was really clear to me, even though I was only 11 or 12 at the time, that what she was really saying is, we don't want to talk about it. Please don't ask us anything. This is very embarrassing. And I just remember in that moment feeling so confused because I did have a lot of questions. I was very curious. I was hearing things from my friends on the playground. And I wanted to talk to my parents about it. And I didn't understand why they didn't want me to talk about it. So I had no clue that sex therapy existed as a career at that point, but that moment really stuck with me. And I just kept coming back to it over and over again, thinking like, how can I help people get more comfortable talking about sex? Well, and we all definitely need it. So now redirecting and pivoting Xander, how did you two come about, like, about <laughs> and then was she already a sex therapist or how, how was your relationship coming into that dynamic? Were you like embarrassed, kind of scared? Like, how did you feel as a partner? And also yeah, being the man. My story was like a moment. Xander's story is <laughs> yeah. a whole journey. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, I had no idea that I would ever be doing anything like this. So it wasn't anything that I planned for. <laughs> um, yeah. When Vanessa and I met, it was, I had just recently started my first job out of college that I, you know, I was doing, I was working in HR consulting, you know, and I thought that like I was built, you know, I was climbing the corporate ladder, doing great um, at that. And I met Vanessa and she was not yet a licensed therapist at that point. She was, she was um, still kind of studying and training. She, she ended up starting grad school, maybe like two years after we first met, mm -hmm. I want to say. And, but she knew that she wanted to be a sex therapist. And she, she told me that from very early on. And I, on the one hand thought, well, this is super cool because my friends are going to love the fact that I'm dating, you know, a future sex therapist, right? They're going to think that I must have a really amazing sex life. And, you know, <laughs> that's going to make me look real cool. But on the other hand, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is a little intimidating because you know, while I, I feel like, you know, I know how to have sex, I think like, <laughs> you know, I'm definitely not an expert or a master or anything at it. And so I was a little intimidated and like, oh, like, are we going to ever have to talk about this stuff? Cause it's fun to talk about it when it's about other people, but when it's about yourself, it's a little intimidating. I thought I was supposed to kind of, you know, as the man, I was supposed to know what I was doing and, you know, just kind of be able to deliver the goods. And I kind of felt like, well, maybe like, what if I can't really deliver the goods? Like, what is that really going to mean? So it took me a long time of, you know, slowly figuring out that it's not actually all about me knowing what I'm doing. It's about us figuring out what we like to do together and what really works for us. So I slowly got more and more comfortable with things. And it wasn't until maybe like 10 years after after uh, mm -hmm. we met that I started getting involved in her business. And at first it was just a little behind the scenes stuff, some, some kind of marketing and operation stuff to mm -hmm. free her up to create more content. 
And then I just had this idea as he started working with me on the operation stuff. I just had this thought of like, I want us to be able to talk about our sex life as a couple. Like, mm -hmm. like Xander was saying, you know, we had ups and downs in our own relationship. And I just thought it was so valuable to be able to take the lead with that vulnerability. So I started mentioning that to him and he was like, oh no, <laughs> you have all this training. You have the license, the degrees, all that stuff. Like, I don't, what do I have to say? I'm just the regular dude. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been watching her for the last 10 years, like mm -hmm. building this thing up. And I've been so proud of everything she's accomplished and how fast she did it. But at the same time, I was like, I didn't do any of those things. Like, who am mm -hmm. I to yeah. talk about this? So I was telling him, but that's the point. <laughs> like, I think exactly. that's a really valuable perspective that, you know, I can be the expert. You don't need to be the expert, but you can share like the, you know, the regular guy's perspective. And together as a couple, we can share, you know, each of our stories. So that took me a couple of years, <laughs> very slowly, like planting the seed. But eventually, right around the end of 2020, we started doing content together. And that was when our business really took off. Like people just resonated so much with being able to hear us share our own vulnerable stories, mm -hmm. hear both sides of it, and just hear like a normal person who hasn't gone to grad school to learn how to talk about sex, like get comfortable doing it. Yeah. Well, and I think you're always better as a team, right? So it's cool mm -hmm. to see you guys be able to work that dynamic and your marriage, but also as business partners and also show that that can coexist too, right? Like working together, being together in all ways. Um, so I think that's amazing, but how did then everything else snowball together? Like when did you start your business to where you're at now? And how did you two then kind of like take the step maybe away from corporate? How did, what did that look like for your relationship to really decide we're going to go for this? I started building up my practice in 2012 and I was originally seeing people one-on-one -on -one, like in that traditional therapy setting, but my practice filled up really quickly and I was sharing the same like tools and techniques over and over again. So the idea just started going in the back of my head of how do I help more people? How do I take these techniques that I'm developing and, and spread them to a larger audience? So I started thinking about online guides and courses. Like, you know, I could just map this all out and let people go through it and the comfort and privacy of their own home. Because that was the other thing about sex therapy. It's a lot to go in in person. It's all the inconvenience of like having to do an in-person appointment. But then this added vulnerability of you're a complete stranger. And now I'm telling you the most intimate details <laughs> of my life. Like it was yeah. just a lot. So I thought online guides made a really great fit. So I started building the first one in 2014. And Xander and I actually had a really huge life change. We decided that we wanted to live abroad for a little while, do something totally different. And I quit my job at the time. That yeah. was me getting out of the corporate world. Yeah, I started in consulting. I worked at Google for four years. And I was like, you know what? I feel like there's something else for me in life. I don't know what it is. And Vanessa was kind enough to say, hey, you know, you took care of me financially when I was in grad school. Why don't you quit your job and, you know, take a year or two and mm -hmm. think about what it is that you really want to do and I can cover you. And I was like, great, let's, <laughs> let's do this. That sounds awesome in my head. And as soon as I actually quit and, you know, the rubber hit met the road, I started, I started kind of running up against my own struggles of like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a man, I'm supposed to be providing and I'm not actually doing anything. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had a little bit of a, quarter life crisis, so to speak. And that that was when I started getting a bit involved in, in her business, kind of slowly like, okay, well, let me see if I can help out a little bit. Yeah. Here. I actually had a few projects that I needed some Excel help in, which was what he was just a total wizard at. So I gave him a few projects and I think he started getting interested and excited. And so I just kept giving him more things. And, and then eventually, yeah, I mean, it was, he became the operations manager. Yeah, it was sort of just a crash course in, in online marketing and, you know, online course businesses and starting to see like, oh, yeah, there's like a lot of opportunity here in terms, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can do on the back end to support, you know, Vanessa on the front end being able to do more and serve more people. And uh, so yeah, I just, you know, slowly but surely, got better and better at that and kind of worked my way into the COO of her business role. <laughs> I love that. Well, I, it's really cool to see, to know that you just put in the work beforehand and, and you're still not done. I feel like there's so much availability with what you share and how you share it so well. I mean, I can't honestly tell you that I've ran across other sex therapists 
online. Like, honestly, I just, I most, cause I always only look at your stuff anyway. I'm like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> but I, I just feel like what you guys do, you do it very well. So congrats Thank to you. I'm, I'm so excited much. to be a supporter of your business and also now have you on my podcast. It's so special. So now I want to break into a little bit of like adult sex ed. First question just for fun with what all you do and kind of talking about sex struggles and how to initiate and all these things. Do you believe in love languages? I I like the love languages model. I think it's an interesting way for us to understand like the different ways that we like to give and receive love. Of course, the challenge with any sort of like personality model is that not everybody fits neatly exactly into these types. But I do think it's great for couples to have conversations about what they, you know, what they like and what they want. And so we, in our book, Sex Talks, like we create a lot of our own models too, just to help get that conversation going. But this is a huge way that couples misunderstand understand each other in and out of the bedroom. <laughs> so right. if you're not talking about what you want and what you like, you're just going to be making assumptions and doing the things for your partner that you might like yourself, but that might not be the thing that your partner likes. Yeah. I Absolutely. think the interesting, you know, for me, the interesting thing about the love languages is that it's easy for us to like, look at the love languages. Everyone knows what they are and kind of be like, okay, well, this is the be all end all for sex in my relationship. But I think the reality is that there are a lot of different languages. Like in our, you know, in our book, we talk about the different initiate, like sexual initiation styles. We talk about sex personality types, you know, there are different sex drive types. And so, you know, you can have one love, you know, like I'm a, a more of a physical touch person in terms of love languages, but that doesn't necessarily mean in all those other things that like physical touch is the be all end all for me. So I think love languages are, have been super helpful for us to be able to get people almost enrolled in the idea that like, ah, yeah, there are these languages that kind of help you understand or communicate with your partner about what you like in terms of sexual initiation or what energy you like to bring into sex or, you know, what you know, how you get turned on. So that's been super helpful for us. But I think, yeah, just looking at, you know, the five love languages as like, this describes me in my relationship and in sex is a little too simple. That's totally fair. I just feel like, yeah, like you said, a lot of people die on this hill of like love languages, like, oh, I'm, I'm only turned on if you're taking out the trash, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only turned on if you brush past me, you know, whatever it may be when it's like, I feel like there is a lot more to that. So coming from just, again, the models that you guys preach and share, I figured that was an interesting question. Cause again, most people kind of start there, um, before they maybe find pages like yours. So the next yeah, question I kind starting of starting point for sure. Absolutely. The next question I had then is with social media. So again, we're kind of talking love languages, what people might be putting out with social media, internet, um, the access to different dating sites, porn, different things that we just have a lot of access to maybe versus before. How do you think sex and the expectation of sex in both roles, man, woman, however it may be, how do you think that that's evolved with the use of internet? And again, maybe those expectations that like we never knew we had before. I think porn is probably the main culprit here. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people watch porn and there's nothing inherently wrong with porn in and of itself. But I think what most of us forget is that porn is meant to be entertainment. Even like specific acts, they're they're set up in a way that they can be filmed and it looks good, you know, on a like in a movie. And so a lot of us watch porn and then we bring those expectations of what we've seen into our own sex life. And this is a huge complaint that we hear from women in particular. Like, I don't know where he got that move. I mean, I, I think I know where I got that move from, but yeah, it is not knows. a good move. <laughs> you know? So I think we need to, yeah, just be really cautious about recognizing like, Porn is meant to be entertainment. It's not meant to be a how to have sex. Yeah. I mean, I think like with access to all these things, like, you know, like you mentioned, you know, dating sites as well. I think it's easy for us to think like to get that expectation or get that idea that we know a lot about something or a lot about someone, like in the case of a dating site, like, oh yeah, like, you know, I saw this, I saw this person's profile and I already know like they're not a good match for me or something. And it's so easy to think that we have all this information or because we have all this access, but 
do we really do we really know that without actually knowing the person or in you know in the case of sex like without actually talking to your partner about like ah oh, is this move actually something that's going to work like it without actually trying so i think that that can kind of be the problem with all that access is you know we think that we know more than we actually do you know having that access doesn't actually replace talking about something trying something experimenting in real life Mm -hmm. How do you think it affects someone then going even further in a partnership, maybe seeing a TikTok of like how me and my husband have sex five times a week and uh, another person, yeah. <laughs> another person is like, I don't have that same sex drive. Am I, is something wrong with me? Am, am I not sexual enough? Are they hypersexual or are they lying about it? How do you think mm -hmm. that's also evolved in even your business? Maybe people that come to you and they're like, I feel like I have no sex drive compared to everyone else. Of course, it's so easy for us to compare with social media. And, you know, everybody said, we've said it a million times, like social media is a highlight reel and you're not seeing the, the reality. But still, when you're looking at all this stuff over and over again, of course, in your brain, you're going to internalize like, well, that's what it's supposed to be like. And everybody else is doing better than I am. So, for example, we just made a stitch on Instagram of me reacting to this uh, reel that a woman made of like, it was like things I do that turn my husband on. And it was like, walk by him, blink, breathe. <laughs> breathe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did this stitch that was like, hey, if that's what your relationship looks like, that's totally cool. But I just also want to remind you that that's not how it works for the vast majority of people. And also like with that particular dynamic, there are a lot of relationships where it's actually the woman who has the higher desire. Mm -hmm. So we got a million comments from women, you know, down under the reel saying like, oh my God, thank you for saying this. I always see these kinds of reels of like husbands hounding after their wives and like, I can't relate. And it makes me feel like something's wrong with me mm -hmm. that my partner isn't after me in that same way. So we try to be really conscious in our like social media of like, yeah, sometimes there are stereotypes that like it's fun to make fun of, but we try to say in the caption, like, hey, not everybody's like this. And we try to do a lot of stuff where we show you know, other scenarios that are true as well, like the woman having the higher desire or the man like struggling with performance issues or, you know, something like that, just to help people realize like everybody's dealing with something in their sex life. Nobody has a perfect sex life. Yeah. We Absolutely. try to, we try to say, Hey, like, this is how it works for us, but this is also how it works for a lot of other people. We try to do, uh, we, we take a lot of time, like actually conducting surveys of our audience, like sometimes mm -hmm. just simple stuff in Instagram and sometimes actual real complex surveys where we really analyze the data to let people know like how much sex are people actually having? Like how much foreplay are people having? How does sex get initiated? So that we can talk about like, you know, hey, this is what works for us. This is what Vanessa has seen work with her clients in the past. And also just for your reference, like this is how it actually breaks down amongst this whole audience. And I think that that can be, really powerful. But yeah, like social media definitely can be, you know, it can be problematic when we sort of put a stake in the ground of like, oh, this is how my husband and I have sex five times a week. <laughs> like, for example, like talking about how much sex we have is one thing that Vanessa and I don't do on social. Mm -hmm. Like we don't talk about how much sex we have because it just feels like that's something that will only draw comparison mm -hmm. or, you know, people as much as we caveat that, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that go, okay, well, they look really happy. So if we can just do it that much, like, all, like we'll be happy too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you guys do a really good job at doing just way different scenarios, like things that work for some people. Again, don't like, I, I always laugh at your guys' boob honk videos, but like maybe <laughs> for some women, for some reason, that's something that they like and they think is playful and great, but Overall, yeah, it's, and it you is know, for a small percentage of women. Yeah, we get a bunch of DMs. There's a loud, there's a yeah. loud minority <laughs> of women. That like, I, I actually like the boob honk, but That's yeah, they're a very yes. small percentage, but they do enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, for all listeners, you guys, Vanessa and Xander do a great job on their Instagram stories, conducting polls, you know, do you do this, do, you do that? So if you ever, if, when you follow, make sure you be a part of those. Cause obviously it does help their business as well. I always try to do them when I, sometimes I click the wrong line, like, oh shit, like, I'm yeah. sorry. But, but, um, overall, I, again, I like that. So now moving into your guys's bread and butter of long-term relationships, first and foremost, I think this is a struggle for everyone. And I never had a word to do it and like to compare it until you said it, the bristle effect. Can you walk through what that looks like mm -hmm. for a lot of couples in their longer term relationships 
after that honeymoon phase, once you have kids or whatever that next chapter is, what is the bristle effects? I think a lot of women and men can really relate to what that means. So the bristle reaction is when you feel your whole body tense up when your partner tries to touch you. So let's say you're washing the dishes, your partner comes up behind you and tries to give you a hug or maybe some kisses on the back of your neck. And you just feel your whole body recoiling. Like, I don't want to be touched. Go away. Leave me alone. And this is a really confusing reaction to have. And it typically happens for women. It's really confusing for us to think like, I, I love my partner. This is my life partner. Like, why am I having such an intense reaction to something so simple? And a lot of us can feel like something's wrong with us. We're broken in some way. Maybe the relationship actually isn't as good as we think, but it's a very, very common reaction. And there are a couple of different dynamics that contribute to why it happens. So one of the reasons that it happens is the way that we initiate sex. So as relationships progress, we tend to start initiating sex in less and less direct ways because we've almost all of us have had the experience of trying to initiate sex. Our partner turns us down and we feel vulnerable, right? And feel, feel awful, embarrassed. like embarrassed. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that again. And so it feels scary to like keep doing it directly. So we start like doing it in these very roundabout ways, jokey ways. And this is particularly true for men. We'll do this because in male, female relationships, relationships, men tend to do the majority of the initiating because that's mm -hmm. what's expected of them. So actually the boob honk is the perfect example of this. Like a guy will come up and like honk her boobs and that's his like his way of initiating. Maybe this will work. It's a joke. So if she says like, oh God, leave me alone. Like, don't do that. I don't like it. Then he can play it off. And I say, was just oh, playing. Yeah, I was just joking. Yeah. I, I wasn't trying to actually start anything. It's a way of protecting himself from that vulnerability. But what happens is that as the woman, you start to become really hyper attuned to your partner's touch. And you start believing like, he's not touching me just to like, give me some pleasure and some connection. He's touching me because he wants something thing from me mm. he wants sex from me and so we start like recoiling and tensing up like we become on guard to our partner's touch but yeah it can happen you know in any gender configuration mm -hmm. as yep. well like i have i have definitely related with the bristle reaction at certain points in our relationship there was a period of time where i was really really stressed with work early on like was working super long hours super hard you know it was feeling to me like Vanessa had a much higher sex drive than I did in reality. I had barely any sex drive because I had barely any time or energy. I wasn't taking very good care of myself, but, you know, I started feeling like, you know, well, I'm not supposed to have a lower sex drive than, you know, my wife or my girlfriend, you were probably not even married at mm -hmm. the time. And so, yeah, and I would definitely like every single time she would touch me for too long or kiss me for too long. I would, I would be like, oh my God, like, does she want sex? Does she want sex? I don't think I'm ready for sex. Like I'd better shut this down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, I don't know if it was full on bristle. It was more of like, oh, this is more than a peck. Uh-oh. But, you know, that's how it starts. And, you know, it progresses and progresses. And, you know, at a certain point, you kind of look up and you're like, wait, what am I doing? Like, this person is trying to connect with me. You know, I'm a physical touch person. Like she's trying to touch me <laughs> right. and love me. Like, like, this is like, this is crazy. Like, this is not how, you know, what I want to be doing. And that kind of prompted me to, to take a, a long, hard look at myself and, you know, what was actually going on for me. And yeah, did I want to keep living my life in that way? Or did I want to make some changes? Well, and Xander's speaking to the second major dynamic that can create the bristle reaction is that as we proceed in our relationships, we start touching each other less and less. Like if you're in a long-term relationship, take a moment right now to think about how much you used to touch each other at the beginning of your relationship versus how much you touch each other now. And so when we do less touch, like most of us are really only touching each other, like in the direct lead up or during sex. Mm -hmm. So of course, you're going to start creating that connection that anytime my partner's touching me, that means they want something from me. So it just makes touch become so loaded. Like you can't even enjoy a little hug or a little kiss mm -hmm. because you don't want to send your partner the wrong message. podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I talk about BetterHelp a lot, seeing as that it's benefited me in the past two years. Some people 
think, you know, maybe, oh, things have to get really bad until you can go to therapy. You're like, I'm not depressed. Why do I need therapy? But really therapy is a tool to where you're using it before things were to get worse and to avoid being at your lowest low. I don't know about you, but why the fuck would you want to get to your lowest low before you climb out to the, to that top again, right? BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video and even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on your camera. You don't have to wear pants. You don't even have to put on pajamas. You could be naked wherever you're at and do a therapy session with your therapist. So for me personally, I like to put my AirPods in. I'll walk around my desk room. I'll go for a walk outside when it's nice out, whatever it may be. And that's what works for me. It is customizable and it is more affordable than most in-person therapy. Give it a try. See why over two million, million, trillion people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. And girls, don't forget to get on betterhelp.com slash desby and put in that discount code. If you forget that, you do not get that 10% off your first month. And that is the deal with being a listener of Brunch with Desby. So why is that then leading into why does sex get more difficult the longer you're together? Why, why does it go almost Benjamin button? Like, you know, it's easy at the <laughs> beginning, even to maybe talk about it and kind of send a little like sexual innuendos. And it's like the longer you're together, maybe it's like nerve wracking to like send the nude or like send the little frisky text or say the frisky something. Why does it get harder and how can you reverse that? This is a great question to ask because there's a big misconception that a lot of us fall prey to. Sex doesn't get harder in a long-term relationship. We just stop putting in effort. Mm. So people will always tell us like, oh, it was so easy at the beginning of the relationship. But let's take a look back (laughs) at what it was really like. Like when you are first dating somebody, you are putting in more effort than you've ever put in in your entire life (laughs) to like be your best self, be sexy, be attractive, connect to your partner, like dates, plan dates, make time, do new things together. Even like think about how much time you used to spend getting ready for dates. Like I would spend two hours easy getting ready for a date with Xander, like getting myself all hyped up and in the mood and excited. And so like, of course it felt easy because we were putting in so much effort to like create that tension and that excitement and anticipation. And then we get into relationships and there's this idea of like, oh, okay, well, I got the guy, I got the girl. Now I can just let off the gas and we just coast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and your relationship starts to suffer because you're not like putting in any of that energy. So I, I you know, the, those early stages of a relationship, like, that level of effort is probably unsustainable. I'm not trying to spend two yeah. hours getting ready for date night, like on Saturday <laughs> this weekend. But it's more of but- like make, making time for date night mm-hmm, as opposed mm-hmm. to like, you know, taking number of hours to get ready for date night. I think it's just making that mindset shift because like we've all had this experience of you get like six, 12 months into the relationship and things start to slow down and you get scared, right? Like, oh man, what happened to us? Why is this Mm -hmm. so much harder? So I think recognizing like, it's not a sign that anything's broken. It's not a sign that this actually isn't your person. It's just a sign that you've like not put in any effort anymore. Mm -hmm. So like just recognizing that that's the actual pattern that can help set people at ease and then redirect that attention to like, okay, let me figure out like, what are the things that I can do to create more space, to create more emotional intimacy, to feel like the best version of myself. That's what's actually going to keep those fires burning for uh, decades to come. No, I mean that, and I like how you redirected where I said harder when, again, it, it comes down to the effort. Cause I think a lot of, you know, married couples can relate, but specifically myself, I have two children. I've been with my husband for eight years and it's just, it's hard. I've been very open about that on my own podcast, you know, just kind of sharing the postpartum struggles after a traumatic birth that, you know, there's a lot of things that a lot of yeah. partners can go through. Um, that their partner, if male, female relationship will never understand. Um, and, and that can be a really tough place where you're seeing the bristle reaction. You're feeling it in also multitude of ways, just kind of scared of penetration. Um, and, and we'll get to that in a second. I kind of want to 
finish with a little bit of a dive into postpartum and just kind of maybe paternal relationships moving in. But I did want to ask how like it's can be awkward in, you know, initiating sex, having sex, not knowing if her partner's in the mood, you know, what if I'm not in the mood, how do I say no nicely? You know, how, how can you go about that? Or again, what kind of course or service, where can someone start if that's a struggle for them being scared of number one, maybe saying no, or number two, being scared of their partner saying no, or again, kind of redirecting the initiation. It's so important for couples to learn how to turn each other down for sex, because I don't care how great your sex life is, how much chemistry you have, you are going to, on a fairly regular basis, turn each other down because you're different people. And the likelihood of you being interested in sex in the exact Mm -hmm. same moment that your partner's interested in sex, like that's just not always going to happen. So this is such an important skill to learn. And I actually like focusing on this first before we even get into how to initiate because once you have a game plan in place then it makes the actual initiating feel a lot easier so we walk through this in a lot of detail in that art of initiation course that you mentioned and i'm so glad you got that that's our our newest thing so we're yes super you had on it right you now. had a sale you had a sale i bought i bought the art initiation then it was like add-on for um, however much it was like a discount of three day oh, sex yeah, challenge. Yeah. So I was like, yes, so I, I yes. nailed them both. Um, <laughs> we go, always like to give yes. people a good deal. If you're going to get multiple things from us, we're like, cool, I stacked you know, it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, okay. So let's go over a couple of things of what to do. So the most important thing that we need to do when we're turning our partner down is to depersonalize it because it's so easy for us to take it personally and think, oh, my partner's not attracted to me. They don't think I'm sexy. I'm not good enough. They're not, they don't want to have sex with me anymore. But that's not the reason why we turn our partner down. The reasons why we turn our partner down usually have a lot more to do with us or with the moment in and of itself. So it's like being able to share that information with your partner. Like, why is it that in this particular moment, you're just not feeling open to it? But the trick with this is that you want to talk specifically about how whatever it is that's going on would impact your ability to show up in intimacy with your partner. So I'll walk you through an example. Like, if let's say Xander initiates sex with me and I say, no, I have a headache. Like, that's not going to feel great to him. It's going to feel kind of like a throwaway excuse. Like, okay, yeah, sure. You had a headache last time too, right? Mm -hmm. But if I say to him like, hey, I really appreciate you initiating. You know what though? Like my head is just throbbing. It's been throbbing all day today. And I know that I'm not going to be able to focus on being present with you and in the moment with you and like having fun and connecting the way that we usually do. Like just that little bit of an explainer, like my headache is getting in the way of me being able to show up and connect with you. Mm -hmm. That makes it feel so much more authentic to him. And it really like drives home the message to him that like, I care about our sex life and I care about the energy that I show up. I'm not going to just like say like, okay, sure. You can do it to me. Like I want to show up and be present in that moment with Mm -hmm. you. So it really helps him recognize like, it's, it's valuable to me to like, to be in that moment with you. Yeah. And then another added bonus there, if you are feeling up to it is after you say that, then you can also suggest some other type of emotionally connecting activity that you might be up for. Like, you know, like, but I would be up to cuddle on the couch for a couple of minutes and finish watching that show that we started or like take a walk around the block with you or something like that. And that can be so nice. Cause then what, you know, like she described how it'd be for me. Like I come away feeling like, okay, I know that, I know that sex is important to her. And I, I know that she wants to, and there's something in the way And she's also willing to, you know, to give me some emotional connection. Because the reality is we are looking for emotional connection when we're having sex. And so, you know, if it's just like, no, and then you both walk away, that is an emotionally disconnecting activity. And that makes saying no feel so much harsher. Like if he Mm -hmm. initiates with me and I'm like, no, like, you know, and then I walk into the other room, like now he feels rejected and he feels totally alone and unimportant. So yeah, like Leander was saying, like, if you can propose something different instead, then that can help the two of you still feel connected. And it really lessens the sting of hearing a no. Yeah. I love that. And I, I like how you even said, cause I didn't think about this of having just a game plan before we even move into learning how to initiate. Cause if mm-hmm. you initiate and then you get shot down, you got to start back over, you know, or, or then, then you don't want to initiate again, you know, or whatever it may be. So I do think that's valuable. And again, your art of initiation course, I'm probably like right in the, I would say like one third of the way done. I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. I think 
my husband and I have a lot to continue to like learn. Um, just, especially I just say relearn, you know, after in having mm-hmm. kids and our life just completely changing, it's a lot of dynamic shifts. So heading into again, like postpartum parents, maybe that you've worked with, et cetera, what is like your first reaction to maybe a couple or a mom or a dad or however it may be to come into your practice and say, I'm just feeling so disconnected from my partner since having kids. What's mm-hmm. kind of that first step or what do you say to them to even just normalize what they're going through? Normalizing is the first step because, you know, we have all of these resources to help parents understand what to expect, like what to expect when you're expecting and what to expect once you have a child, but nobody ever talks about what to expect with your sex life and the, like the intimacy and the connection between the two of you. So most parents will come to me and say like, you know, we feel so disconnected. We haven't had sex in forever. Like, I don't understand what's going wrong. Why is this happening? And they just don't, they just don't even understand that like, yeah, of course your sex life has changed. Everything in your life has changed Mm -hmm. after having a kid. Like your sex life is not any different than anything else. So just recognizing like there's so many variables at play. Like there's just the straight up physical healing there. You know, you might have gone through a traumatic birth, like you were just saying, and feel anxiety and fear or even still be in pain. You might be just purely exhausted from like lack of sleep. You might have anxiety about like, wow, I'm a parent now. And what does this mean? And am I doing it right? Your body image has shifted, especially if you were the one who gave birth, like your body doesn't feel like your own anymore. If you're breastfeeding, it can feel like, well, I don't want to have my boobs touched because they're like food sources right now. They don't feel sexual anymore. So there are just so many variables that are in play. So just being able to hear like, hey, if you're a parent and your sex life has not gotten back to normal, you are a thousand percent not alone. That is every single parent is struggling with how do we reconnect after this massive life change? Absolutely. So when it comes to, again, just kind of caveating off into like a traumatic birth or even just birth period, something came out of you, whether it was out of your stomach through C-section or out of your vagina, how can someone communicate with their partner what they had gone through how it feels and maybe why they don't want penetration right now. And again, with having kind of that proper communication about it without their partner thinking, Oh, like that's just an excuse. How can that Mm -hmm. conversation be sparked? And should it happen prior to birth? You know, what, what would that Mm -hmm. look like in a perfect case scenario for those if they were educated on what to do? Yeah, we have a course for parents where, you know, we walk through like what to expect. And I do think having conversations like before pregnancy, during pregnancy, you know, talking about and preparing for these changes. Um, It can also be helpful to talk with your doctor about it as well. Like I would love for men in particular, like many men listening to this, like I really want to encourage you to like listen to your partner and like take in what she's saying and how she's describing. But sometimes like men hearing it from a doctor gets into their brains a little bit better sometimes. So Mm -hmm. that can be another like valuable uh, thing to discuss with your doctor. But in general, like what makes this so tricky is that he's never going to be able to understand. Mm -hmm. You can describe it as eloquently as possible, but he's not going to be able to understand it because he hasn't experienced it. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that even just saying that can be helpful in conversation. Like, Hey, I'm not expecting you to fully get or understand it. I don't need you to fully understand it, but I just need you to respect that. This is my reality. That can be a great way to phrase something like that. And what would be your best tip then for parents who are struggling with time, you know, just truly Mm -hmm. feeling, I know like time's an excuse, right? We're always like, Oh, I don't have time for the gym. It's like, yeah, you do. I don't have time to make a meal. Yeah, you do. But I don't have time for sex. Yeah, you do. So like, what does that look like? How can you redirect your sexual journey together to, to acknowledge the season of life that you're in and also acknowledge though, that your relationship still needs sex, deserves sex, and you Mm -hmm. both deserve to still feel good, even in lower amounts of time. Yeah. I recommend focusing on creating more intimacy all throughout the day. It's very easy for us to get fixated on like sex. It's at the end of the night after everything's done. And like, it just gets built up into something that feels very intense and there's a lot of pressure around it. So let's forget about sex at the end of the night. Let's talk about like how connected are the two of you to each other throughout the day? Mm -hmm. Because if you're feeling like strangers, just like ships passing in the night, you're wildly disconnected. Like 
you're not going to want to have sex with your partner at the end of the night. Like they're going to feel like a stranger to you. So we are all about like big bang for your buck, little things, you know? So throughout the day, what are little ways that like 30 seconds or less that you can create and maintain a little bit of a connection with your partner. And you can do this regardless of how busy or stressed or overwhelmed you are. So a great one is literally a 30 second hug. Research has shown that this is one of the best ways to create like emotional intimacy and connection with your partner. So just give each other a hug, hold on to each other, and you'll actually be able to feel the moment that your body kind of like drops in and relaxes. So hug until you do that. A six second kiss. There's research around that as well. Six seconds. That's all it takes to like create a little bit of intimacy and connection. Actually, we kind of loop back around to the love languages here. Like saying something nice to your partner, even if they're not a words of affirmation person. This is another thing that really like couples just stop doing in long-term relationships. We stop saying nice things to each other. Mm -hmm. So even like, this is a great one for parents of like, I see how hard you're working, or I saw that you, you know, took care of this chore and I really appreciate it. Um, gratitude is another like research backed thing that has shown like it's actually the number one predictor of marital satisfaction gratitude so just wow. telling your partner like I see you I appreciate you that will help you feel wildly connected and it's free it's easy it takes like three seconds to do so yeah. focus on those little things yeah and I think just it you know having a better understanding of what it is that each of you need you know what are your love languages what are your initiation styles what kind of conditions do you need in place in order to feel open to intimacy because i know that the temptation is like okay well you know we're so busy and you know like we can't do it when the kids are awake so really like at the end you know right before we go to bed is the only possible time and it can be easy to think like okay well yeah we just have to squeeze it in right there but it's mm -hmm. like you got to get really honest with yourselves like what do each of you need in order to even feel open to it in that situation. And I think that the reality is that for one or for both of you, there may be you know, some lead time or some things that need to be done in advance. Like, hey, like I'm not open to that. If I know the kitchen is dirty, I'm gonna be thinking about you know all the dishes that have to be done or all the lunches that have to be prepped for tomorrow before I can even be open to that. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking at it like, oh, it's just this thing that happens right before bed once the lights are off and the doors are closed, like, what, you know, what are all the things that are going to be required in order for you each to feel excited about that? And how can you each jump in and help throughout the day? So yeah, part of it is, you know, those things Vanessa was talking about. And part of it is, you know, I think being open to like, okay, yeah, I'm going to jump in and help with the kitchen because I know that's going to be good for both of us, mm -hmm. you know, an hour from now. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it was you guys that mentioned it or if it was just maybe a mom account or something, but they called it chore play. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. So like the ability of, again, yeah, just doing those things, acts of service. If we want to go back to love languages, right. It's just like doing those things that, you know, would help your partner out, alleviate stress, or just get the things done before, like you said, that end of the night rolls around. So for, for people who are struggling in long-term relationships, parental relationships, whatever it may be with, with sex, with just like, how many times a week do I have it? How many, how should I, can you give a little glimpse into like, number one, I want to ask this question as like, how much sex should we be having when I know the answer <laughs> is not, but so what would your answer be, I guess, to someone saying, okay, well, like we're struggling. So just how much sex should we be having? How, how, how connected should we be feeling? What is your guys' response to that? I totally understand the desire to have an answer for that. Like sex feels like this big complicated thing and it feels so tempting to like, just want the number, like just tell me the number. And as long as I hit the number, I'll feel like everything is okay. It feels simpler. Yeah. It's easier to focus on the quantitative. Correct. Yeah. The qualitative. But let's play this out. So let's imagine that Xander and I say, okay, four times a week is the magic number. Every couple should be doing that. We got to do it. <laughs> so like imagine yourself forcing yourself to have sex four times a week, even if you're not into it, you don't like the sex that you guys are having. You don't like the way your partner initiated. Super late. You're too tired. Yeah. Like it's not going to be good sex. Mm -hmm. And if you're pushing yourself to have sex just to meet this quota, it's going to start to feel really icky to you. And you're going to notice yourself desiring it less and less and less. So you're going to wind up having even less sex than you were having before we gave you this quote unquote magic number. And yeah, you're probably <laughs> going to develop the personal reaction too. Yes. 
So instead, like, it's just so much more useful to focus on the quality of the sex that you're having, Mm -hmm. because there's this very important connection between how much do we enjoy something and how much do we crave it? So we're, we love food. I always make food comparisons. I'm like, you know, do you ever find yourself craving a bowl of steamed mushy broccoli? Like, no, of course not. (laughs) But a lot of us are having sex that is the equivalent of overly steamed mushy broccoli and then wondering why do I not want sex more often? Mm -hmm. So instead we need to focus on making sex an enjoyable, pleasurable, satisfying experience. And then once that is in place, you will find that the natural level of frequency that works for your and your partner's relationship will fall into place from there. Yeah. I mean, you might even find that frequency going up because you're both thinking about it a lot you're both like you know the next day you're like hey that was that was amazing last night you're texting about it all day and then like oh like suddenly you are prioritizing it without even thinking about it i will give you some numbers though because i know people are so curious like this is one of the surveys that we've done it's Mm -hmm. actually the the most extensive one that we've done to date like seventy five thousand people have filled it out and so we found that 75% of all the respondents fell into three different buckets and they were evenly split. So it was like 25%, 25%, 25%. And those three buckets were two to three times a month, once a week, and two to three times a week. So the vast majority of people are having sex somewhere between two to three times a month to two to three times a week. And then we also looked at satisfaction, like how happy were people with their sex lives? And there were no differences, like no noticeable differences between those three buckets. Mm -hmm. So the couples having sex two to three times a month were just as happy as the couples having sex two to three times a week. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, numbers aren't everything, but I'm sure for a lot of people, I can hear stuff like that and be like, okay, again, relating it back to like this idea of porn, right? Okay. I don't have to be like having sex every single night of every single week or randomly be like, do me on the counter, bend me over the sink. Like it doesn't have to, if that's for you, that's great. But I feel like it does put a lot of people at ease. So I want to ask you a question. I don't know if you've ever really covered this and how you would, but I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of people who I've even, you know, seen in my community really struggling with infertility struggling with wanting children, not being able to have children, whether it's just not happening for them yet, they're going through, you know, medical procedures for that to happen or whatever it may be. What are any words of wisdom, encouragement, anything that you can give to those people where sex might start to feel like, I don't want to use an incorrect word, like, like a job. All of a sudden Mm -hmm. it's this, it's this work of just, we want a baby so bad. It turns into, you know, okay, let's just, just like, come inside me for lack of better terms, right? Like, just do it. Just do it. Let me hang up, hang my legs up for however many minutes, you know, whatever the science is and funny stuff that we want to do to make that happen. What would you say to those couples that might be listening right now and just really struggling with the idea of is our sex forever broken because we're just really fighting to have this one thing that we want so bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so tough. Like sex really does become goal oriented and it it's not, and it's not anymore about like how often do we want to do it and what do we want to feel with it? It's like, oh, we have to have it on this schedule and we're trying to achieve this thing. So we have to do it in this way. So it's very easy for it to become clinical. And this is such a common experience that we actually have an entire podcast episode. Awesome. Um, I forget the name of it right now, but it's something about like, you know, how to keep it spicy when you're still, when you're, you know, trying to get pregnant or on your trying to conceive journey. Um, so definitely check that out. We share a bunch of tips about ways to kind of like protect some bit of your sex life and make it feel like it's still just for you, just about the two of you. Okay. Perfect. I love that. And I'm definitely gonna make sure I link that below. So I appreciate your guys, guys' time so much. I think this is going to be such a valuable slice of pie out of just, again, these so many things that you guys offer. So if you can just run us through again, like say that you're just meeting me on the street. What are a few things you guys provide? Where can we find them? What's the best place to start if you were to give someone a roadmap? And if anything's coming up, something exciting that we can look forward to from your guys, your guys' little slice of the world. Yeah, we would be so honored for any of your community to check out our stuff. Like we have such a passion for making sex feel more fun and exciting and playful for couples. So I'll run you through like some of our most popular stuff. Our number one bestseller is our foreplay guides. Um, We actually hate the word foreplay because we think that implies like that these acts are lesser than like, oh, intercourse is the real thing. And foreplay is just the thing that we do for like 30 seconds before we go on. 
So we wanted to create a guide to help people experience so much more like pleasure and excitement and connection during foreplay. So there are number one bestseller, our best reviewed guides. Um, we have a, a like two different versions of them, or you can buy them in a package, but they walk you through like step-by-step step exactly what to do, fun new techniques to try, ways to get more comfortable, like giving and receiving. There's so much. And it actually is our, our new thing too, because we're doing a little, I think by the time this episode is out, we will have a some new stuff, some fun new stuff to added to those. So definitely check those out. And then after that, our other most popular things are our challenges. So we have a sex challenge and we have a connection challenge. The sex focuses on physical intimacy. The connection challenge is focused more on emotional intimacy. And these challenges are simple things that you and your partner can do to create more intimacy. You can do them every single day. Most of them take like five, 10, 15 minutes max to do, um, or you can do it on your own timeline, maybe do it once a week or just whenever you guys have the time. But we really wanted to give couples this like specific roadmap to feeling closer and more connected to each other. Like we all want hotter sex and more emotional intimacy, but it's kind of this like, how do we do that? <laughs> so the challenge is really fun because it feels like a surprise every day. You don't know what you're doing until you get the little assignment to do it. And they're very practical things, but super effective. Because we're like, we're not about like, oh, we'll just go away for a two week couples retreat and then you'll fix everything. Yeah, it's right. like, what can I do today? It's a Tuesday and I'm kind of tired and I'm about to start my period. Like, right. So that kind of stuff. So those three things are some of the most popular. Yeah. And I think the very best place to start is, is picking up a copy of our book, Sex Talks, because mm -hmm. that is such a great introduction to us and who we are. It's actually, it's full of tons of our own stories about mm -hmm. what's gone on in our relationship relationship, you know, struggles that we've had, but it, it also just is a really approachable and fun way to learn how to get more comfortable talking about sex. Because once you can feel comfortable talking about it, it is so much easier to start doing all these things in, you know, all the courses and guides and challenges that we offer. And I think, you know, like when we avoid talking about sex, we are closed off to so much more intimacy. And so, you know, I think like we try to break it down into these five conversations that are just going to totally open so many doors for you in terms of your relationship. And so, yeah, you can get that at sextalksbook.com. If you can get the actual book, you can do audio, you can do you Kindle. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think that's an amazing place to start. And then we have all of our guides and courses are at vmtherapy.com. We have a ton of other ones. It's like my favorite thing to do is just create a new guide or a course. So we have that art of initiation course that you mentioned, next level intercourse. It's kind of like the companion guide to the foreplay guides of helping you get more pleasure and enjoyment from intercourse, especially for women, because 91% of us say that intercourse is not our favorite activity. We have guides for like dirty talking, exploring butt stuff, like all kinds of stuff. So you can check that all out at vmtherapy.com. I love that. On top of your podcast, Pillow Talks, yes. which I love. Do you guys, yes. <laughs> do you guys do that weekly or like how yeah. often do your episodes drop? Yeah, we have a new episode comes out every Thursday. So Pillow Talks is the podcast. You can find that linked to on vmtherapy.com as well. And then on Instagram, we're at Vanessa and Xander. And yeah, I would love to connect with any of your listeners there. I love we're that. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. You are, as you should be, omnipresence of sex. It's like, it's, it's <laughs> such a beautiful mix. Well, I appreciate your guys' time today. I'm so excited to introduce you to a lot of my audience. And again, the people who were just so excited that you guys were going to be on too. I'm like, I'm like, yay, like we got it guys. We did it. So thank you for <laughs> taking time Um, to be on. I'm so excited to continue like my own journey and using your guys's resources that you've worked so hard to create. I mean, I know it's easy to like, you know, think, oh yeah, like, you know, we did this or whatever, but like truly this is, it's easy to also forget how hard you've worked and whatever. So I hope you guys can just like take a minute and just be like, we're like really doing this and it's really, really oh, cool. I and it's helping so many, so many people. Um, so again, thank you so much thank for being so much. on. Can't wait to direct yeah. everyone to your page. 
and keep keep boob honking and using bananas in your videos because <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, we have some some stuff planned. We had we had to get a special fruit order from the grocery store to uh, record some content. Record some content. So keep an eye out. There'll be a bunch of foreplay themed reels coming. My up soon. <laughs> eyes are literally peeled. My notifications are on. Um, thank you guys again so much. I can't wait to reconnect and continue to see what you guys do. And again, thank you for being on brunch with Despy. Thanks yeah, for thanks. having Thank us. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you again, Vanessa and Xander, for joining me on this podcast. Again, I was so honored as someone who has followed them for so many years. Um, it was very special to actually talk with them and be able to have them on my podcast. I know a lot of people, when I shared my excitement for them coming on, they were like, um, who's this? Like, who, who are they? And I hope that you guys have a better picture now of what they offer. And maybe this is someone slash someones, both of them, that could truly change your marriage, your life, your partnership, and enhance it for the better. So let me know what you guys think about today's episode. Make sure you're sharing it to your story. Send it to a friend. Send it to your spouse. Listen to it with your spouse. This is stuff we have to get really comfortable with to be able to move on to that next chapter and keep that communication fresh, open, and keep the bedroom spicy. Let me know what you guys think. And again, we will see you next Sunday. That's all for this episode of Brunch with Des B. I hope you enjoyed hanging out, laughing, or maybe even crying with me today because let's be honest, you never know what you'll get here. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast, share with your family and friends, or even just to social media and tag me in it so I can share. Love you guys.